0: Welcome to 2819. I'm Sandra
1: Dimez. And I'm Daniel Elmagear.
0: And guess what? What? Today is our 200th 200. It's also our five year anniversary. We just turned five. Yes, we're five, we're <laughs> learning how to read. Um, so we are celebrating today, and we want to share what the heart of 2819 is all
1: about. That's right. In Everyday Apologetics, we'll hear from RTB's president and CEO, Fuz Rana, as he explains RTB's mission and the meaning behind 2819.
0: And in Science Faith Connection, we'll hear from Hugh Ross as he talks to Jeff Zwerink about giving reasons and living with hope.
1: First up will be Culture Talk. Sandra will be interviewing Unbelievable's host and friend of 2819, Justin Brierly. So let's go ahead and check it out.
0: Now it's time for culture talk where we talk about culturally relevant topics that you can use to start conversations about your faith. And I'm joined today with Justin Brierly. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Sandra. You're a wonderful author, speaker and host of unbelievable, very popular show in the UK and around the world really. And I'm so grateful to have you here for our 200th I know. episode. I feel on it. I know. Well, wow. you know what? The whole thing about 2819, because people have asked, what does the show mean? And it's about Matthew 2819. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And you are certainly a partner in ministry, making disciples of all nations across the pond and around the world. So I want to talk to you really about your mission work Mm. and and what you're doing with Unbelievable and your brand um, as it were. So um, uh, my first question really is your approach um, mm. with unbelievable, you're incredibly winsome and you you face some pretty challenging conversations with skeptics and people of different beliefs. How do you remain so winsome in the face of those challenges?
2: <laughs> it's funny because people quite often ask me a similar kind of question. They're like, mm. if I was you and I was hearing those arguments, Justin, I'd be wanting to fight right. back and I'd want to step in and you know <laughs> put my opinion across and, and how do you remain so calm? Uh, and i don't know maybe it's just i am just naturally kind of a slightly more laid-back person mm-hmm. and you know i don't get too <laughs> riled up when i hear opinions that mm-hmm. might be offensive to other people who knows but but i guess i guess at the core of it is is i, I believe that christian confidence is not about being able to demolish your opponent mm. in an argument I love that. christian confidence is about being able to hear someone's argument mm-hmm. someone's objection and to kind of be cool about mm-hmm. it and to not get frightened right. not to get you know sometimes there's this this fight or flight (laughs) response isn't there if people feel threatened by something they either fight Mm -hmm. you know and that you often see that in the internet sphere and social media people just going for each other you sometimes see it sadly in the christian apologetics as well It's all about winning an argument. Mm -hmm. Or there's the flight. You know, people just run away from it. They duck it. Mm -hmm. They don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And that's neither of those is is the way we should be actually engaging with people. Mm -hmm. We should be confident enough to hear people's Mm -hmm. objections and then to just graciously engage them in a conversation Mm -hmm. about it. And really, the confidence, I think, that that has come for me, especially, through hosting over 15 years now of these Mm -hmm. conversations on Unbelievable, is just that after hearing so many objections to God, but also hearing great responses to those objections over the years. I've come to realize, look, we can cope with this. You know, Christianity has been able to stand strong for 2000 years against all kinds of attacks. This particular version of atheism or agnosticism or whatever it may be, you know, it's just one more thing Mm -hmm. along the way. And we're just going to say, okay, tell me what you think and let me engage with that. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's almost, it, it's not that you ignore or, or dismiss their arguments, but you know that there's enough of an intellectual foundation there that you know that there's gonna be something you can pull out, a tool, mm-hmm. a resource. Uh, there's gonna be an answer. Someone in Christian history will have thought of this mm-hmm. question already. Right. And, and so just being familiar with that, being, knowing enough of, of sort of some of the core reasons for Christianity, mm-hmm. some of the, 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 the particular reasons why faith makes sense, and then just being able to bring that into a, a, a civil conversation can be really good. It can, it can be a, a really great way of then having a, a really fruitful conversation rather than a kind of argumentative kind right. of conversation. And so being winsome for me is, is just about being willing to listen, mm-hmm. being willing to, to genuinely engage someone's questions, not go in to kind of win an argument, being willing to kind of take some blows you know, mm-hmm. and, and not have to get the upper hand every time but ultimately inviting them back and saying let's have another talk about this let's keep talking about this right. and and in the end you'll find that the relationship really does make a difference to the way people then receive mm-hmm. your own comments and arguments and that right. sort of thing
0: you know and i think that's such a good point of thinking about the relationship and thinking about just resting in mm. the fact that there's a long history of faith yeah we don't have to get argumentative. We can listen, and like that shouldn't be a novel concept, but it kind of is. Yeah, Just listen yeah, at first yeah, and yeah, then yeah. engage after that. Um, so with all of these conversations that you've had, I'm sure you had some pretty challenging questions that have been mm, posed mm, at you. Mm. Are, what have been like some of the most challenging, and do some continue to remain a yeah, challenge?
2: Yeah. Oh, there's plenty of things that still remain Quite mysterious to mm-hmm. me where i don't claim to have the answers to, mm-hmm. to every question going um you know uh, I, I was just dealing just the other day um in a q a session with people asking hard questions about some old testament passages you mm-hmm. know um, warfare and violence in the mm-hmm. old testament that's tough stuff i mean i've got some ideas i've got some things that i would put on the table as to how you would reconcile that with a god of love and the person of jesus mm-hmm. But it's not an easy one, you know. I'm not going to go in and claim, you know, I've got the perfect answer to this. I think that's one one area where, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still learning how how do we best interpret those kinds of passages in the Old Testament. Um, I've certainly had, you know, strong challenges to my faith over the years from some of the atheists Mm -hmm. and skeptics we've had on. I I remember when I had Bart Ehrman on for the first time. He's quite a well-known skeptic of the New Testament. He's Mm -hmm. a historian and he's, you know, written a lot of books challenging the historicity of the New Testament. Um, And I remember when I first read one of his books in preparation for having him on the show, I was like, wow, this guy's got some good arguments here. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm wondering where this is going to go. But of course, When I invited one of the world's leading New Testament theologians from Cambridge to come on opposite him, you quickly learn, oh, there's always two sides to every story. You know, the things that Bar Ehrman was painting as negatives, actually shown in a slightly different way, you understand actually there's some positives. Mm -hmm. And and there's always that thing of the, for some people, the glass is half empty and Mm -hmm. for others, the glass is half full. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes when you hear both sides of the argument, suddenly it brings out the fact that actually there's always more to the story. Uh, and, and I found, actually, in the process of hosting those conversations on the historicity of the New Testament, I've come away with a much stronger faith, actually, mm-hmm. in the reliability of those documents and in the things they say about Jesus's life, death and resurrection. And so for me, that's just one example of mm-hmm. where, you know, I had to kind of go in there and take a few knocks and sort of, you know, it wasn't comfortable mm-hmm. in the process, but actually sometimes. That challenge, that 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 time of testing, actually builds a stronger faith in the end when you can come through it on the other side.
0: I have one last question now. When we think about the many conversations you've had, if someone were to come and say, "Hey, you know, what what to you is the most powerful, most meaningful uh, proof or point that shows that God exists?" What would you say is most meaningful for you?
2: That, I think the most meaningful thing for me is is that deep inside us we all want there to be hope and mm-hmm. purpose mm-hmm. okay it's it's something that exists across all times and places and cultures the idea that there is more to life than just the material facts of life mm-hmm. the, the things that we see around us um, and the question is is there an answer to that is there someone who meets that deep desire that deep longing for hope for purpose for meaning and what i've often found is that when you look at the materialist perspective, the, the naturalist atheist perspective, ultimately life is kind of a riddle, but it's not one with an answer. You know, it's an illusion, if anything. Mm. Uh, and and one day all of this will be gone. You know, the universe is gradually running out of energy. One day it'll all be a cold, sterile void, and that'll be the end of the story. In fact, there is no story on that. You know, all there is is just the stuff that happens. And mm-hmm. if it works out well for you, great. If it doesn't, too bad. But I don't think anyone really lives their life like that's the story that's true. People actually live their lives as though there is really hope, there is really meaning, there is really joy, there is really right, there is really wrong. And I find it's only in the person of Jesus Christ that all of that story makes sense, because he was the one who came to show us what love really is. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the the psychologists tell us there's two things that humans need to lead a, a meaningful and flourishing life, and that is love and hope and in his death on the cross jesus christ showed us the most powerful expression of god's love that we could ever hope for and and in his resurrection he showed us what true hope is which is mm. this life that goes beyond the grave it's this this meaning that goes on into eternity so for me the christian story you know it's it, it 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 encompasses all of those hopes and longings and fears and for me that's 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 at the center of it all that's that's why that's what really fires me up is that we're part of something amazing a big a bigger story and and we can just invite people to join in this this Mm -hmm. amazing story that God is weaving through the whole of time and space and history
0: all right I love that because you're pointing to a worldview that is very livable because we do need to live in a space with love and hope
2: we all need a story to live by you know we live in a culture where people I think have kind of run out of stories to live by Mm -hmm. They're, they're they've been told that basically they're just part of a Meaningless universe, you know, it's just running according to a kind of clockwork set of cause and effects. And that kind of makes people feel like, well, what's the point? You Mm -hmm. know, um, we have a mental health crisis. Now, there's all kinds of reasons for that. But one of the reasons I think is people don't think there's any meaning to life. But actually, what we need is to introduce them again to the story to end all stories, which is the story of God coming in person and saying, you are worth everything, and I'm going to show you that. And that is the most extor- exciting story you can be part of. And and I think pe- we're, we're, we're meaning-seeking creatures, we're story-driven creatures, and the Christian story is there for us, and it's a true story. Mm-hmm. And and so we're, we're all just invited to, to be part of that. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for that. If you wanna hear more from Justin Brierley, go to justinbrierley.com. Now it's time for Everyday Apologetics, where we talk about common questions that Christians have. We're joined today by Dr. Faisal Rana, president of Reasons to Believe and CEO. Yeah. And biochemist. <laughs> yeah. Thanks
3: for having me, Sandra.
0: Thanks so much for joining us on our 200th episode and our five year anniversary or birthday for 2819. And I thought, what better person to interview than you, Fuzz, as president of Reasons to Believe and Reasons to Believe is the organization that produces 2819. Yeah. Now, speaking of 2819, many viewers don't know what our name means and where it comes from, that it's inspired specifically by Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. So can you explain how Matthew 28, 19 really is in line with First Peter 3, 15, 16, um, which are verses that influence the mission of reasons to believe?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen 19 is the, the passage that's sometimes called the Great Commission where mm-hmm. Before Jesus ascends into heaven, he uh, tells his disciples to go out into the world and to make disciples of other people and then to teach them to do likewise. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16 tell us that we should always be prepared to give reasons for the hope that we have when people ask Mm -hmm. with gentleness and respect. And so those two uh, passages of scripture really shape who we are at Reasons to Believe. Mm Uh, Our organization's mission is to open people to the gospel by revealing God and science. And so we communicate to people that scientific advance, sound reason, affirm the message of the Bible and the Christian worldview. Uh, So we focus on scientific evidence for God's existence, the Bible's reliability, but we do it in a particular way where our goal is to help people see the gospel, Mm -hmm. build a bridge to the gospel as we show scientific evidence for the Christian faith, that we wanna pay attention to people's questions Mm -hmm. or even their objections. We treat them with respect. We don't demonize people that are asking those questions or even challenging the faith, but we engage them with respect Mm -hmm. with the idea that, you know, our focus is to really help people see that the truth of the gospel uh, as opposed to really put them down or to try to win a debate with them,
0: right. And I really you know value the work that that you provide here mm-hmm. um, to equip not only those skeptical, but also for a lot of parents who who don't know how to answer their kids' mm-hmm. questions, you know, mm-hmm. even adult children, they don't know how to answer the parents don't know how to answer their questions. Um, so if you if we have someone like that watching right now, mm-hmm who's struggling either within themselves or to engage those they love, what would you say to encourage them? Where would you point them to, to kind of begin exploring what we provide and and how to answer those questions? Well,
3: I mean, there's a rich wealth of -hmm. of back episodes of 2819 that are just, that really cover the gambit of the types of questions that people ask when it comes to science, faith issues. And that would be a great place to start you know, because the the programming for 2819 is meant to really introduce people to some of these conversations and give them a bit of an orientation. But then there's a lot of places people can go to dig deeper. One place would be our website at Mm reasons.org. And as you mentioned, there's a wealth of books and and other resources that we've developed really to to help people uh, just explore the, the range of issues. But all of these resources have a singular message, and that is, that really scientific advance reveals evidence for God's existence, it reveals evidence that there is purpose and meaning in the universe, mm-hmm. that humanity has purpose and meaning, and, and that um, this, the message of scripture is valid, is mm-hmm. true.
0: So let me ask, as new president of Reasons to Believe, an organization we've been around yeah. for 36 years, I think, Yeah. what would be your hope for the future? As you think of where you wanna take Reasons to Believe, what would you like to see in five, 10, 20 years?
3: Yeah, well, you know, one of our grand visions at Reasons to Believe is to build our scholar community, which is a a group of volunteer scholars in a wide range of disciplines Mm -hmm. who partner with us, but to build that scholar community uh, to well over a thousand individuals Mm -hmm. with the idea that that community could really pioneer and advance the, the science-faith conversation, mm-hmm. which is a very important conversation in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we really want to help people to understand that this common narrative that science is in conflict with the faith or that mm-hmm. science challenges the Christian faith is really an, an, an improper way to think about that relationship. Yeah. And so, you know, we just want to to reach more people, you know, with that message and we're looking to build a you know, partners that help us to do that.
0: Well, I love that. I'm happy to be on the journey with you. Thank you so much for that, Fuzz. If you would like to join us on this journey, go to support.reasons.org to find out how you can do so.
4: Hello, Jeff Zwerinck. Welcome to Science Faith Connection, the segment of our show where we explore important scientific ideas and see how they relate to the truth of Christianity. Today I'm joined by the founder and former president of Reasons to Believe, Dr. Hugh Ross, and we're going to look at some of the reasons why we can have hope. Hugh, it's good to have you here today. Well, thank you, Jeff. So, we're actually at our 200th episode, which means we've been doing uh, 2819 for five years now. I know you've been doing Reasons to Believe for far longer than that.
5: And you have an age to bit
4: it. <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate that, Hugh. I thought it'd be good just to kind of talk about uh, you know, you've got this story of having come to faith in Christ relatively young age by investigating the different world religions and find lo and behold, science seems to corroborate Christianity the best. I was just curious, if you could explain, or what did you find some of the most compelling reasons why Christianity was true, and why did you give your life to Christ? Well, as you know, I got interested in astronomy
5: at a very early age, and was very passionate about studying astronomy and physics. And I was at age 16, I realized the universe has a beginning. The Big Bang Theory is beating out the competition. And there is a beginning to the universe, there must be a cosmic beginner. So I began to search for that cosmic beginner. You know, first in the writings of Immanuel Kant and Rene Descartes, which proved kind of disappointing for me. And then I went into the different religions of the world hmm. and uh, discovered on elected Hinduism, Confucianism, Buddhism, Islam, Zoroastrianism, and a bunch of other isms that they got the science wrong. Hmm. And they got it wrong in very serious ways. And so I began to think, well, maybe this uh, cosmic beginner doesn't want to communicate with us. Uh, But I did pick up a Gideon Bible it was given to me in the public school and began to go through it, and immediately realized how different it was. It got the science right.
4: And some so, of the So things, was that specifically the science about the beginning, or were there other things that played in there? Well, or? I
5: saw the bit about the science that had the beginning, mm-hmm. and particularly impressed that it spoke about not just the beginning of the universe, but a beginning of all physical reality, mm-hmm. all matter, energy, space, and time. And that immediately put it distinct from what I saw in the other religions of the world. But I think what really got me is looking at the first page, Genesis one and Genesis two and realizing, hey, this is an account of uh, the history of the universe and Earth's life, and it gets everything correctly described, and it's all in the correct chronological sequence. Mm-hmm. I was also impressed that Genesis 1 in particular seemed to really closely follow the scientific method. Hmm. And I had a great respect for the scientific method. Right. And so uh, seeing all that, and then also seeing that the Bible was exhorting me put everything to the test. And so this was very attractive to me as a young scientist. And I said, okay, this book is worth a serious study. Uh, first glance, it's getting the science right. It's actually predicting future science way ahead of the time of its authors. I'm going to give this serious study. And so over an 18 month period, I was studying the Bible at least an hour a day usually between midnight and two in the morning, but nobody knew what I was doing.
4: Okay, that's I, more than a lot of Christians study it, so it's pretty commendable on your part there.
5: Well, I also knew my family wouldn't be pleased, so I was, okay. I was kind of doing it in secret. Right. I had to get all my homework done at the university. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, I was taking a heavy load of physics courses, so I had right. to get that done. Uh, but after an 18-month study, I realized it's not just in Genesis 1, mm-hmm. the entire Bible It gets not only the science right, it gets the history right, it gets the geography right, Mm -hmm. and actually predicts future historical events and scientific discoveries, not just a few times, but literally hundreds of times. I said, the only possible explanation, this book must be inspired by the one that created the universe.
4: So, so. It, se- it seems like you have great confidence in the truth of Christianity. Um, I know you've been doing this for a number of decades since then. Have the reasons that mm-hmm. you see for the truth of Christianity, or the, the ones that weigh most heavily on you or that impact you the most, have they changed over time? Have they largely been those well, Jeff, from the early Well, Jeff, you childhood?
5: know that for the past 35 years, I've been writing at least one article a week mm-hmm. uh, that I titled Today's New Reason to Believe. right. And my frustration is, I'd really like to be able to do it every day. <laughs> I just don't have the time. Trying to keep up with once a week is quite challenging. Right. But just reading through the scientific literature, realizing what it tells us in Job and Psalms is really true. The more we learn about nature, uh, the more evidence we uncover for the supernatural handiwork of God. It encourages my own faith. It's the thrill to see these discoveries and to communicate them to people. But especially thrilling to see people coming to faith in
4: Christ mm-hmm. as I share these new evidences for the Christian faith. So, as you've interacted with that over the years, uh, you know I, nobody mm-hmm. disputes your your passion for sharing the gospel. I guess I, I, the question I have for you is personally, as you've seen, okay, Christianity is true. What sort of hope does that bring you, or what? How has that impacted you personally? Well. I think every Christian
5: needs to be experiencing God at work in their life on an ongoing basis. Uh And just seeing God blessing me through his book of nature and giving me greater and greater confidence in his book of scripture and particularly giving me opportunities to share that with other people and seeing how that's impacting them Uh and realize the impact is not natural, it's supernatural. The Holy Spirit really is partnering with me. And you know, just that having that experience of the Holy Spirit partnering with me and sharing from God's Book of Nature in order to bring people to the Book of Scripture into relationship with Jesus Christ, it strengthens the, face of the faith of the people I'm sharing with, uh-huh. uh, gives them hope, but it also gives me hope in the sense that, wow, God's at work. It's not just like it is in the Book of Acts. He's doing it literally
4: every day. So, I mean, as I, I obviously share some of your scientific training. really appreciate just being able to study and understand creation. Would you say someone needs to be a scientist to be able to appreciate and use what God's doing in creation to well, share the gospel? Well, Jeff,
5: I think they need to be a scientist in the context of Job 19. Uh, that's the passage that really talks about how God communicates through two books. Mm-hmm. talks about the law, which is a book of scripture, and the book of nature, the heavens declare the glory of God, God's words are written upon the heavens uh, for all of us to read, and I look at that text and saying, uh, yeah, you don't have a science degree, but according to Psalm 19, you need to be a scientist, and by the way, it's way too much fun uh, just to leave it up to the professionals. And I'll so,
4: at, so, in, and when you say being a scientist, this isn't go out, study, get a degree necessarily. No, 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 it's no. just actively
5: be looking, be at creation. exposed to God's book of nature, okay. enjoy it, and share it with others. And also, I say, don't leave it up to your pastor or your seminary professor to be the theologian. We're mm-hmm. all to be theologians. We're all to be students of God's book of Scripture. We're also to be students of God's book of nature. But what I often share with people in the churches I speak in is get outside once in a while. Mm -hmm. You know, get out of the city. uh, Expose yourself to God's creation. You know, the heavens really do declare the glory of God, but it's hard to see that glory if you're walking around in downtown Los Angeles. Uh, (laughs) But but get out into the countryside and really see what God has done. It will restore your soul, but it will also reveal the glory and the righteousness of the Creator.
4: So, so do you see this in, in your experience? Is this kind of the academic, I understand how creation works? Or does it have something more like a, you know, just worshiping in creation? Or is it a beauty? Or is it really just kind of the academic, the mathematics behind Well,
5: I think if we're being serious about our science and our theology in the way that the Bible encourages to be. It's gonna be something that's very enjoyable. Uh, you're gonna be worshiping. There's a joyful experience. I mean, just today, I put a couple of photos on my Facebook page uh, where I was walking through this incredibly enormous meadow of wildflowers in the mountains of British Columbia. And it's like, when you do that, there's a spiritual, worshipful experience. You you know, look at the beauty that God created. You know, he didn't have to make colorful flowers uh, with all the intricate shapes he did. Or just think of the food you eat. Uh, God could have made all of our food look and taste like cardboard, uh, but he didn't. And so eating food is enjoyable. It, it speaks of just the degree to which our Creator loves us, the degree to which he enjoys beauty and wants us to enjoy the beauty that he created. And I look at God's Word the same way. You read God's Word, it's a beautiful piece of mm-hmm. literature. I mean, it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just reading it for literature's sake. You see the elegance and the beauty of the text, and we're to enjoy that
4: as, as we inc- receive that truth. Well, thanks, Hugh. I appreciate your comments. You know, God really has made a spectacular creation for us to be involved with, and I would encourage you to go to reasons.org. Uh, check out Hugh's book on this, Always Be Ready. It gives you a great example of his story and how he's wrestled with some of these topics and how he uses it to engage others. But that will equip you to see the beauty in creation, the joy that God gives by studying creation, and allow us to go out and
1: share that beauty and joy with others. We hope this episode has helped equip you to share your faith with compassion and confidence.
0: And don't forget, subscribe to the show and search for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're at 2819show. what you think, man?
1: I thought the show was great. Yeah, I loved hearing Fuzz's uh, explanation about the Great Commission, why our show is even called 2019. Because yeah. I know for me, people have asked me like, "That's kind of a weird name for a show. Why is that?"
0: Um, I know.
1: Now I can be like, "This is why." Yes. Yeah.
0: Now you're you're in the inner five circle. five years <laughs> in. I'm
1: finally in the inner circle. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you
0: could tell them now. You know, dude. Yep. Um, I think it was a lot of fun. I'm. I mean, I've been here from the beginning. Right. Five years. My goodness. It's yeah. it's kind of flown by but we've had so much content from people all over the world, including mm-hmm. our friends like Justin Brierley. He's such yeah. an awesome friend of the ministry and of 2819. And he's just such a, a great heart for, for sharing his faith and, mm-hmm. and bringing people into the folds.
1: And remember for the audio version of the show, you can find us on most major podcast services, just search Reasons to Believe podcast.
0: We wanna thank you so much for keeping up with mm-hmm. us for five years of episodes.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much to our watchers, our supporters, everyone online, and we have this delicious looking cake here. We're about to dig in. Yeah. I've been looking at this piece for a while. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. (laughs) Pretty tasty. Your
4: teeth are all black.